Well, I'll be the first to admit that when I minister to families who have lost a mother to cancer or a child, even to a drunk driver, or maybe a son or daughter to an overdose, I don't think about throwing out scripture verses, although the word of God is true and accurate. But in that moment, trying to explain away why people go through what they go through becomes redundant. Because the fact is, only God knows. Now, one of the things we can do is go to the Word of God to try to find what He has to say about adversity and suffering. There are so many people today Some walk in to the doctor's office for just a typical physical, only to have the doctor come back in and say, I'm sorry to tell you, but we have found cancer and you only have six months to live. There are others who are facing marital struggles. Others worry over their children. Others are worrying about their finances. And many people are anxious about the future. And when you couple all of these things together, particularly in our day and time now, they can tie and bind our hearts and minds into knots. And so oftentimes we come up with the question, why God? Why me? Why now? Why is this happening? It doesn't make sense. Well, 2 Corinthians in our text today was composed by a gentleman who was no stranger to heartache. In fact, if you read about his life throughout the New Testament, you find that his body bore many marks of adversity, such as shipwrecked. He was stoned and left for dead outside the city gate. And then later on, we find out that there was a thorn in the flesh that had been given to him in order that he wouldn't become puffed up or proud. And that particular thorn in the flesh, we don't know what it was, but that wouldn't leave his body. His heart and his soul knew the pain of false rumors. He was misunderstood. He suffered loss, but he lived with suffering, and he faced it head on. Well, in our text today, there's several words that we're going to look at, but in particular, the scripture verse that we're looking at is the second letter to the church in Corinth in that first chapter, beginning in verse 3. The Bible says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that, and get this, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. 
even when we are weighed down with troubles. Paul says, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. And so we find here in this text several truths that I want to share with you this morning as it relates to suffering. How can we learn from suffering? What, What lessons does God want you and I to know and learn? Well, the first thing that we find in verses four through seven is that suffering will prepare us to comfort other people. Suffering will prepare us to comfort other people. Now, we just read that. In the fourth verse, Paul writes, from experience, keep that in mind, he's been there, done that. It's not by hearsay or just words of exhortation from someone who hasn't gone through it. He has. And so he says, speaking of God, he comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. For when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort in salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. For we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God gives us. So, We find here that suffering oftentimes prepares us to comfort others. And you say, well, how on earth can that happen? Well, one perfect contemporary illustration is the life of Johnny Erickson Tata. Back in 1967, Johnny and her friends went to the lake. It was not an unusual thing for them to do. Johnny loved swimming and diving, and she ran off the pier, dove in, as you would normally dive in, to the waters. But what Johnny didn't understand or realize at that point, because they hadn't taken the precaution to see what was below the surface, when she dove in, she hit her head, and it broke basically her back, her neck. And because of that, she was a quadriplegic. It instantly transformed Johnny from this energetic girl to a woman confined for life to a wheelchair. And no doubt in her testimony, she said that she felt like her life was over. And she began to ask God the questions, why? But as time went on, and if you know her story, God used her horrible experience to minister to countless lives with the hope-filled healing message of Christ. 
And she explained how she felt God's comfort as time went on. And some of you today are facing adversity. You're facing hard times. You may have lost a child. You may have had a spouse walk out. You've lost your job. Finances have basically come down crashing around us. A businessman who suffers bankruptcy, according to the scripture, can actually comfort others who have gone through financial disaster once he or she has come through that experience and has been comforted by God himself. Now, this is a process. It doesn't take place overnight. But as time goes, if we allow God to do what only God can do in the middle of our adversity, then God, once we have been comforted as God's children through the Holy Spirit, through other people coming across our paths who have been there, done that, and can share with us what they learned, how they came through those times. They are a source of encouragement, a source of comfort. Those things can be used in time in order to comfort other people. But see, it's it's difficult to be able to tell people how to handle a situation if they've never done it, if they've never been there. That would be like me trying to tell a parent whose child passed away what they should feel, what they should do. I can offer words of encouragement and prayer But the best thing that I can do is let those people know that I love them and I'm there. But as a pastor for many years, it's been my practice and habit of networking people together with certain circumstances, certain adversities that they've been through if I've not been through it in order that the suffering that one individual or individuals face and have come through over a course of time, and it is a journey, that God would use those who have suffered in order to comfort others who are going through the same thing. But there's a second aspect. Not only does suffering oftentimes prepare us to comfort others, But we find in verses 8 and 9 that suffering will help us and keep us from trusting ourselves. You know, Paul's experiences of suffering were not merely theoretical. He faced persecutions. He faced desperation. He and his companions faced these things in Asia, and the Bible says it exceeded their strength, even pushing them even to despair of life, verse 8 says. Let's look at those 
couple of verses, verses 8 and 9 on Paul's experience. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And so we find here that Paul is saying suffering will keep us from trusting ourselves. And he uses a word despair. And it's a word that implies the total unavailability of an exit. Think about that. Paul, this great apostle, found himself cornered by a catastrophe, one after another, and he was unable to exit that situation. He had no one to turn to, nobody in this world to turn to. And he felt like, at times, that he was on the brink of death. But then he says that he discovered another purpose in suffering. Verse 9 says that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Listen, intense suffering reminds us of our utter helplessness. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, one of my favorite passages of Scripture says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Suffering oftentimes prepares us to comfort others. Secondly, suffering keeps us from trusting ourselves. But thirdly, Paul said, suffering teaches us to give thanks in everything. We find that truth in verses 10 and 11. Notice what he says. Verse 10 says, and he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. Did you get that? He did rescue us from mortal danger, past tense. And then Paul says, and he will rescue us again. And what Paul is saying is God was faithful in the past. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God was faithful in the past, he surely will be faithful in the present and the future. And for that reason, Paul said in verse 10, we have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. He will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Listen, Paul, in the midst of pain and suffering, learned many lessons. But he learned that suffering teaches us, if we'll allow it, to give thanks in everything. 
when God delivers us from hardships. Oftentimes he does so as a result of faithful brothers and sisters who are praying for the saints. And those prayer partners return praise and thanksgiving to God. Originally, Paul meditated on the mystery of suffering, but it moved him from that to an attitude of morbid despair, to a confession of faith and hope in God, his deliverer. And because of God's pattern of faithfulness to you and I and all the saints who've gone on before us, we can have a spirit of gratitude, even in the midst of suffering. Now, I'm not naive enough to know that many people struggle with thanking and praising God right in the middle of that hardship, trial, or suffering. And I've noticed over time, and been there, done that, that those who resist this practice are oftentimes struggling with anger and bitterness and disappointment with God. And oftentimes, even doubts about His goodness. People may tend to think, how does this fit in God's plan? But God never promises to explain the purpose of suffering in detail. But He does promise that perseverance will be well worth it in the end and that he can always be trusted no matter what. Listen, we have someone who's been there, done that. First of all, we find in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's been there, done that. And then secondly, the Apostle Paul and so many others. I was reading not long ago something that Chuck Swindoll had to say about suffering. And I want to read what he had to say. He said, Bruce Waltke, one of my mentors in my student days at Dallas Seminary, tells a marvelous story about the day that he and his daughter were walking in the forest. They came upon something you rarely see. It was an almost born butterfly. The little cocoon was spinning and spinning, and part of one fabulous wing was already out. Swindoll goes on to write, this was right at the eye level of his daughter. So Walkie bent down, looked at the little cocoon at her level, and she said, oh, daddy, he's just struggling to get out. And so Bruce thought, well, I'll just help it out. And so Bruce said, I reached down ever so carefully and gently and took the bottom of that cocoon and split it. And all of a sudden, it all dropped out in a blob and it killed the butterfly. Walkie said, I learned a lesson that day. They need the struggle 
of emergence to survive. Listen, God will never waste a time of suffering in our life. Nor should we. It's not fun. The tendency is to try to sort short circuit. But God knows best. And I'm not going to pretend to say that suffering doesn't hurt. We've all been through it. As a parent, when we see our children struggling and suffering, sure, there's some things we can do to help out. But by and large, one of the most difficult things for a parent to do is to see their children in a situation where they are suffering. And there's not anything you as a parent can do. You grieve with them. Your heart is broken. Because parents should be able to fix things, right? If only. There's some things we cannot fix. And just like that little butterfly was still in the cocoon, one wing out in order to survive and bring it to maturity. It had to struggle in order to survive. My friend, God loves you. He wants to help you. And He's here to help you. He loves you. And I pray that if someone here is suffering, that God will give you the grace and the comfort that you need. And I'm trusting God to do that. God bless, my friend.